It's your boy Rabino. And this DJ Erm in the building. And you listen to the Up and Up podcast. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What it do, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast on the Up and Up network. I'm your host, Rabino. And I'm DJ Erm, man. How you doing, bro? I'm good, bro. How are you? I'm good. And I'm blessed. Yeah, that's what's up. Blessed, grateful. Feeling good, good vibe, good energy in the room. Great energy. In the right? Yep. Shout out to everybody in the room. Shout out to the team. Feeling good, man. <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling good, man. Uh, for those of you first-time listeners, as I stated, this is the Up and Up podcast. This is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture. We do that by providing amazing stories of individuals, groups, movements, right? Yes, sir. The hustlers, the shakers, yes, right? Yes, sir. People who are... Um, taking up space, man, in various different industries, making a way, not only for us who are still here, but for the next generation, mm-hmm. putting it down, right? Mm-hmm. So we can pick it up, right? Yep. Um, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to the family. And of course, we got to shout out the family by family. I'm referring to the listeners, the viewers, right? The squad, right? Yes, the people sir. who've been tapped in with the movement, right? Keeping everything on the up and up, right? Yep. Salute to you guys. We appreciate you for the love, support, and all that, right? Mm-hmm. We'll keep rocking. Um, any how, how you feeling though, man? You good? I'm good, bro. Feeling great. Yeah, you know, ready to get this going, man. Yeah, real, <laughs> you know? I know, bro. We 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 we've been, we've been warming up. Yeah, we've been warming up for yeah. sure. We got a lot of stuff coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah nah. Cool. Um. Well, I'm feeling good too, man. I'm actually excited. Um, not only for the guests that we have today, but I think it's important. It's an important conversation. Yeah. I think every conversation we have, every episode we have is important, um, but every single one is for the, their own specific reason. And um, today's guest is, uh, is a brother who I would say has definitely been grinding and uh, attaining a wealth of knowledge. Um, he's paying his dues so that he can pay those dues forward, right, um, to his people, to his community. Um, he's definitely a true culture cultivator who's keeping everything he's doing on the up and up, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, otherwise he wouldn't be sitting down with us right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to give you guys a little bit of insight on the brother and the work he's been doing, he's been operating and building in the areas of insurance along with financial literacy as a consultant and an advisor. Um, and with many, with many years of expertise um, in helping and assisting folks with not only understanding how to navigate um, what can seem like a tricky and kind of unsure space when we're talking about insurance, um, in that world, um, he's really empowering people with the knowledge to uh, to make decisions that are going to better their future, right, and give them a more safe and secure future. Um, and, you know, we're honored, man. We're excited to have him in the building, right, to learn more about the journey he's been on and the way in which he's going to keep empowering all of us to learn and grow, right? Yep. Um, let's just get straight to him, man. Our guest is none other than the good brother himself, Musi Aserak. Can we get a round of applause, man? Yeah. Give it up, give it up. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me. How you doing, so, boss? Man. man, cold. Yeah? <laughs> cold. Back to this Washington weather, man. <laughs> Trying to get readjusted. I know, man. Cold, yeah. but you got to be cold-blooded. Huh? For the cold. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Especially I, I, my I, I line. I thought I'd add on to that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, it's a pleasure to have you, though, bro. Appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. you guys having me. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for sure, being man. here. So, if you're familiar with the show, obviously... Um, we always start every episode with the quote of the day, mm-hmm. get the vibe right, get the convo started. Yeah. 
Brother Man Arm, what you got for us, man? All right, man. So the quote of the day today is, after climbing a great hill, one only finds that there are more hills to climb. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Mm. Amen. And who's that quote by? Uh, Nelson Mandela. Ooh. Yeah. I was close. I thought Biggie. Okay. Is that close? No. I mean. Not really, but... Maybe yeah, in my mind. yeah, in a way, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> in you know, a way, I mean, from, I mean, we're all from <laughs> the same family. You know what I'm saying? It just means the grind don't stop. He made, he much. said that for Biggie. I was thinking more money, more problems, but okay. yeah, <laughs> that's just a different variation. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but that is true. I agree yeah. with that okay. sentiment. So, you, know, you got a Biggie break. quote you wanna you wanna drop? For? No, I thought I did, but okay. I guess okay. not. That was a Nelson Mandela quote. Any other? Thank you for the quote, Earl. Appreciate it. That was solid, man. Well, speaking of hills to climb, man, you definitely have been climbing hills yeah. in your own right, in your yeah. own way. And I think everybody can relate to that in, mm-hmm. in whatever their pursuit is. Um, but before we get into kind of your journey, um, I do kind of want to give you a chance to speak to when you're working as a consultant and an advisor in the insurance space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from the outside looking at a lot of people probably don't know what your role is or like what inspires you to actually stay in it and do that. Um, so can you kind of touch on like, what is the kind of the inspiration that keeps you in that space and like, yeah. what do you love about <clears throat> it and, and how would you describe that? Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my title would technically be insurance sales advisor. Okay. So basically I'll get calls from people and I'm a national agent. So I get calls from all over. Uh, I service every state except for Hawaii and Alaska. Okay. So, um, primarily people are calling me to get quotes on auto and home. That's what I primarily deal with. And, um, so, you know, I, I choose to, um, have a different perspective on it where I go about it as every time my phone rings, I think about it as a person on the other line being either a family or a friend. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, if I don't just treat this person like customer, but more as a person who's kin to me, how would I want this to go about? So I want them to be educated on the coverages because a lot of times people don't even know what kind of coverages they're getting and, um, and how they can utilize uh, discounts that are provided through those companies, um, which Mm -hmm. a lot of times they leave off the table. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of money that can be saved. And so, um, so what I do is I get them to open up more about their um, exposures is what I like to call them. You Mm -hmm. know, what do you own and what do we need to insure mm. and then from there i'll try to wrap their heads around the value of their assets and then yeah. like okay these are the type of coverages that are going to adequately protect you now let's go ahead and try to figure out what coverages make sense for you mm. and then a lot of times what i'll do is uh, review the coverages that they currently have and then from there i'll counsel them on what they should have and what, sh- and what they should not have so mm. so okay. that's the gist of it yeah okay that's cool man okay. yeah so uh that's a good breakdown though yeah 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 let's take it back let's get into the journey so um <laughs> let's talk about the upbringing um yeah where you're from where'd you grow up yeah so uh as a kid we grew up in uh holly park uh uh me and my brother and then um uh when i was 10 uh we moved out to uh federal way um definitely different culture shock uh from growing up in uh, holly park and uh, from there i've just been living there ever since and then uh, went to Eastern, uh, graduated there in 2011. Go Eagles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I was just there last weekend for homecoming, so okay. that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, don't go there with a gray hair chin. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. They will know for sure you are not there. Uh, uh, but, um, but, yeah, so I went there, and then a year after that, um, got into the insurance industry. One of my uh, fraternity brothers was working uh, claims out in Tacoma uh, for an insurance company, told me they were hiring. And I uh, applied uh, for the claims position, but I also applied for the sales position mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and ended up getting an um, uh, interview for the sales position and then uh, took that on. And um, 
that journey took me to Phoenix. Uh, that was uh, late 2013. Okay. And I was there until uh, three months ago, actually. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm, um, I'm curious because, you know, the upbringing is everything. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's important, like, to reflect on kind of like, I don't know, I just feel like we go through life and there's a lot of things that we just kind of leave off the table in terms of, like, what may have influenced us, mm-hmm. shaped us, that whole thing. So, for like, for you, if you can look back, is there things or people or moments that you can kind of speak to that were, like, that kind of shifted your perspective? You know, because I feel like everybody has something that, like, makes them think differently about what they want to do in the future or how they want to move. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely moving out to uh, Federal Way was very pivotal for my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's – had I stayed in in, uh, in Holly Park, uh, which probably could have happened – definitely would have taken a different route um i was i was a good kid but i like doing things that kind of push the envelope so yeah, you know yeah, had yeah. i stayed out here i probably would have fallen into some bad line but um moving out to federal way at that time it was just whites and asians mm-hmm. and it was a very rural area federal way i don't even think was considered its own uh city at that time i think it was just considered a suburb of seattle mm-hmm. um and uh, i remember you know the very first day it was fourth grade walking into my class and it was like everybody the door opened everybody was just white and then this is transitioning from a place where everybody was black yeah growing up in holly park and i was just, it was just a culture shock and um immediately everybody took me in and um you know my difference, I thought, was going to be a liability, but it ended up turning being an asset. You know, everybody was like, you know, who's this kid and everything like that? He's interesting. And I thought the same thing about them. Mm. And then I started, you know, meeting their parents and seeing just, just being around these affluent people. I was like, wow, you know, it's like I grew up thinking that, you know, white people didn't want to take us in or didn't want to take any chance on us. And here these people embracing me. And mm. I was just like, okay. So one thing I learned as an early age or in the early age is that don't, uh, given to preconceived notions, mm. you know what I mean? So mm. from then on, what I did was go into every situation open-minded. And then mm. from there on, doors just kept opening up mm. to me. Relationships kept uh, cultivating. And then uh, from there, I was like, all right. So when I hear all these excuses people make for their failures, I'm like, nah, that is on you. Yeah. So um, that is what has been so profound in my life. And uh, and, and, and it, it's all credited to my dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if yeah. he didn't put us in that environment, I would have never known um, yeah. the possibilities that uh, I can achieve. So, you know, I, I as I look back on things, everything is very interconnected, even mm-hmm. though they may seem very contrasting to one another. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah. it's all about cultivating relationships. Doors open up one another, even though it doesn't seem like it's synonymous to one another. Yeah. So um, I always tell people never go into any situation closed minded. You, you will not know the advantages and the opportunities you'll be leaving yeah. uh, by doing that. So no, that's real, bro. It, it, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you uh, touched on that too, because I think that is half the battle for a lot of people. Yeah. It's like being close minded is like a. It's like a defense mechanism. Absolutely. You know, sometimes you know, it's like, nah, I don't want to let people in, or mm-hmm. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to go in either. You know. Yeah, so, absolutely. That's important. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff, though. Yeah. And so you did mention going from Holly Park to Federal Way, mm-hmm. and then Federal Way to Cheney. Yeah. Like that's probably another culture shock. It was. Know? So um, it was. I guess what were your first like thoughts and feelings when you first arrived at 
I mean, going to college and yeah. Chini. You know, yeah, so. well, going to Chini, I hated it. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you got to remember, like, I'm, I'm a city kid, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, yeah, exactly. you know, it's like going to, like, this, like, you know, country, rural area. First of all, I didn't even know there was more Washington past the uh, mountains. I was That's, like, oh, there's more? Uh, I thought it was Eastern just Idaho. Yeah. yeah, I was there's like, there's, a, there's more Eastern Washington? Side of this? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, going there, and I just, you know, I hated it. I, it just felt like prison. And then uh, it wasn't until that first summer... Um, where I was like, oh, it's not that bad because the friendships that I made out there um, allowed me to like help pass time. So I became closer with the friends that I made, which ended up being my fraternity brothers. Mm -hmm. So it just went hand in hand. And then after that, um, I learned a lot about myself that I do like being in places that's away from distractions um, because in Mm -hmm. Seattle or just being on the Western Washington side, you know, it's like you got so much going on, so many friendships, people you grew up with. So you don't have time for yourself. And that's what I learned being um, that first year, especially at Eastern, I got to finally have time for myself. Mm. So then it was like, OK, what, who am I? You know what I mean? Aside from the things that was uh, my identity growing up. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up loving my time at Eastern. And, and that's where I think I really started to grow. And, that, and that's when I started to understand why people say going to college is really important. It's not just necessarily the educational part is yep. you learn a lot about yourself and you won't yeah. even know where it's coming from. Yep. So yeah. like a, a lot of the growth that um, I developed in Anchini wasn't from place that were very conventional. So I was like, wow, okay, these situations are going to make me who I am going to be in the future. Yeah. And I still apply some of the practices that I learned from back. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, so I, I feel you, man. Because mm-hmm. uh, I agree with you. Because yeah. at the same time, you don't really notice while you're there, while you're like in yeah. the moment, until yeah. like you might come back like home and just kind of yeah. be chilling and be like, yeah, all right. You mm-hmm. kind of look at things like differently. Exactly. You know? so yeah. Oh yeah. I agree oh, with that. Absolutely. I thought it was prison when I first went out there. I was like, <laughs> oh, I pissed that off really bad. Yeah. But but it was the best thing to happen yeah. for me. Yeah. And it, and it me. teaches you to just stick through whatever it is you're going through. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there's, a, there's a clear finish line that you're trying to get to. Yep. You know, I always tell people, like, uh, for a lot of people, going through that college experience, at least your bachelor's, mm-hmm. is probably the first time you've had to, like, be disciplined yeah. and commit to something for that long period of time mm-hmm. and go through a bunch of shit you probably didn't want to do. Absolutely. You know, just to get to that certain point, you know, up until yeah. that point. So um, it's you're building a momentum that you can carry with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so and speaking of that momentum – I'm curious, um, you did talk about how how your your homie kind of like plugged you in with the opportunity mm-hmm. to like get the entry point to the insurance industry. Yeah. Um, but from a professional development standpoint, because everybody's had that first job out of college, um, like what tips and advice do you have for people on how they can develop professionally, right? Not just do the job and be there and show up and go to work, but mm-hmm. like how do you grow? Yeah, like, absolutely. What is some advice on that? So, um. Yeah, and, and, and I'll talk about how I actually got to where I'm at or at least started into the insurance industry uh, mm-hmm. because I call it the greatest mistake I've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was uh, one of my fraternity brothers told me that um, the insurance company he was working for at the time was hiring for the claims department in Tacoma. And so I went online and applied. As I saw, the locations were all in Tacoma. And then I just started scrolling down different positions and stuff, and I saw sales, which I'm more acclimated to. Mm -hmm. So um, I did not look at where it was located at. I thought everything that I was seeing in terms of positions was all in Tacoma. So when I applied for that, as I did with the others, the only um, position that I got a callback from or at least response from was a sales position. 
So, um, you know, they set me up for a phone interview and everything like that. I reached out to my buddy and then, um, you know, he was like, all right, well, I'll prepare you. But I, rem- I remember vividly that he had this kind of like this um, discerned look on his face. And then I was just like, nah, I'll, I'll figure out what that means. And so anyways, he prepared me for it. And then I went through the interview process and it was supposed to be a two phone interview. And uh, on the first interview, she was like, you know what, I, I like everything I'm hearing from you. You have the experience and everything like that. So we're, I'm going to extend you the uh, uh, position, the yeah. offer to the position. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, great, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, the only concern I have is uh, where you're located. And I was like, oh, no, yeah, you're like 10 minutes from my house. Tacoma's right next to me. And then uh, she was like, yeah, we're in Phoenix. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> Missed that part. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I was I was like, well, what do you mean? She was like, uh, yeah, this, this position is, is in Phoenix. So I was like, well, I didn't know that. You know, yeah. I thought it was Tacoma. So I quickly started thinking. Um, I had maybe within a few months, I can't recall, but I had just visited Phoenix. And, um, and uh, one of my best friends, he still lives out there. And I was visiting him. And I said, hey, uh, let me get back to you within 24 hours. I just need to reach out to a couple people before I can say yes or no. And so I reached out to my boy who um, who prepped me for the uh, position. And then he was like, yeah, I was wondering why you were going for a position in Phoenix. But and I was like, that's the look on your face. Yeah, okay, yeah. I get it yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I reached out to my boy who was living in Phoenix. And I said, hey, man, if I come out there for a year, yo, can you help me get situated and stuff like that? Because I guess if I can just fulfill the role for a year, I can move back. I'll be eligible. So I looked at it as an extended vacation. So um, so he said, yeah, we got you. Don't worry about it and stuff like that. And then um, I said, all right, I'll, I'll take the position. And then like three months later, I was in uh, Phoenix. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because going back to being objective and open-minded on opportunities is the fear factor that is natural in us. Like, you know, we want to stay where we're comfortable in our comfort zone. Yeah. If I was not willing to go out there and do that, I would never achieve anything that I thought was possible for mm. me. And so um, I think that's very important. Through my journey, I think the important thing was just saying, yes, I'm willing to go ahead and take that plunge. Mm. So and that's why, and, and ever since then, I just had nothing but success. So that's why I call it the greatest mistake I've ever made. Um, mm. But in terms of like, you know, preparation or anything like that, I think it's just cultivated in a mindset. If you go into a situation saying, you know, I'm very motivated in what I want to do and what I want to achieve, but I'm also willing to listen to anybody who's willing to mentor me and, um, you know, provide me, you know, what I need to go in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to, to be, ex- uh, to be able to accept that. Right. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times, you know, you see people hear things like if I would have known that position was a Phoenix, I would have never applied. Right. So that closed minded, mm-hmm. uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Now, where would I be? Yeah. Because no other positions uh, offer me, uh, um, you know, yeah. an interview. Yeah. Only that one did. So, um, you know, it's I think the best thing to do is just to reach out to people um, who are proficient in the area that you're trying to pursue and then say, hey, what worked for you? Now, that doesn't mean necessarily their journey is going to work for you. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there isn't something that you can extract from that. Yeah. Right. I like so, that. yeah, I like that. That's, that's 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 actually a really good point in terms of. Yeah. Um, um, just kind of leaning into the unknown yep. a little bit yeah. and, and being open-minded. But I'm also curious, I, I, I'm, I've always been curious, like what what makes people not do that at the same time, right? Because it is, is it an innate thing? Do you think it's like an innate yep. DNA thing where yep. it's like I'm just built in a certain way where I don't care about some of these other attachments they are not that strong or like 
or is it? I don't. I, I'm always curious about that because it's fear factor. Yeah, it, it's just a fear yeah. factor. It's yeah. it's it's nothing. And I and like I said, I almost succumbed to it too. Like I was like, you know, when she surprised me and ambushed me, was saying, "Hey, you know, are you in Phoenix and all that?" I'm like, "What's going on in Phoenix? Why she keeps bringing that up?" You know what I mean? My innate reaction was, uh, "I'm shutting this down. Yeah. Right? I'm not yeah. leaving yeah. home. Yep. This is my comfort zone. This yeah. is my friends and family are at. I, you know, I only know one person in Arizona. I'm not gonna take that plunge." Yeah. And um, so that's our innate reaction is we want to stay confined within what's uh, comfortable for us mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. It can be risk of failure. It's just yeah. like I don't have the funds to do it. Whatever We have different reasons, but it results to just a fear factor. Yeah. And you and uh, what I'm getting from that is like we think we have so much control yeah. over anything. Like had you, had you known that it was going to be here, you're like, okay, nope, I want to be here. I want to control yeah. where I want to be. And yeah. You try to like really manipulate things yeah. instead yeah. of kind of just letting go and just really leaning into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good stuff, yeah. bro. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's like it's like trying to make excuses. You try to find a reason not to go. Yeah. You know, oh, 100 percent Yeah. We all, oh, yeah. we all so, do it for yeah, different we, things. Yeah, we do it like, yeah. like a different it may not even be professional. I'm about to be like, he'll hit me up, like, yo, you trying to come to this party? I'm like, nah. They'll be like, why? I'd be like, fuck, let me figure you out why. You don't really <laughs> not, I don't. Yeah, you don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it's like sometimes you 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 resist for whatever reason first yeah. that's like the first thing we do sometimes yeah. and i yeah um yeah no i'm glad yeah. you touched on that though it's important mm-hmm. to lean into that yeah be absolutely. yeah so entering kind of like a or transitioning into the um insurance space mm-hmm. so what are like some of the coverages that like the main coverages that people don't really know about i mm. guess yeah no absolutely so um you know i i think the 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 biggest disconnect that people have with insurance, especially we'll start with auto, right? Because that's yeah. what most people have. Um, it's not understanding their liability coverages, right? Um, so most, most people have what's called split limits. If you look at your insurance coverage in the liability portion, it'll say something like, and I believe in the state of Washington, the state minimum is 25,000, 50,000. So you'll see 25 and then you'll see slash and then a 50 and then a yeah. slash and then a 25. And um, so people are like, what does that mean? Oh, that's 25,000, 50,000. But they don't understand how it works interconnected to one another, mm-hmm. right? So um, I remember like when I was in the first aid training, when they were explaining that, I was like, oh my gosh, I am underinsured. I was like, yo, I got to call my agent and boost my, I was like, cause I'm sitting there with state minimums thinking I'm good. I, you know, I meet the legal requirements, yeah. but I didn't realize I wasn't covering my exposure and, and the detriment of that. Um, so I would say there's a, um, a huge disconnect from people understanding what their coverages mean and then also how they can um, utilize the deductible. So if you have to have full coverage on your vehicle, you have uh, these two coverages called comprehensive and collision. And a lot of times people don't understand what those two coverages mean. Now, that if you're financing a vehicle, they're going to say you need full coverage. What they mean by that is you need to have comprehensive and collision. Because when you're financing, that means the bank still owns that car. Mm-hmm. That's why they hold the title and you only have the registration. Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, listen. It's almost like when you're financing a vehicle, it's like a glorified rental car. So mm-hmm. you're just having a rental car for, well, average is five years, 60 months, right? Yeah. So the bank said, this is still technically our car, and we need to make sure that vehicle is protected. So what protects the car? The two coverages. Comprehensive, which means that if your vehicle sustains damage for anything outside of your control, like weather-related, um, vandalism, theft, um, you're driving, a deer jumps out in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all comprehensive, things you can't control. And then you have the second coverage, which is collision. 
And that just means you physically collide into something. And it doesn't matter if it's your fault or not. Mm -hmm. It just means you collided into something and you're needing that vehicle to be repaired. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of times when you finance a vehicle, they're like, we don't care what liability limits you have. We just want to make sure you have comprehensive collision. You can pay that deductible so that car can get fixed. Mm. And until you pay it off, we own it. That's why cars get repossessed. You know, yeah. if you're not if you're not making your mm. uh, car payments and stuff like that, and uh, if you don't have insurance, then the lien holder, which is the bank, they will impose their own insurance because that's still theirs. Okay. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So they're like pretty much saying. It has to be insured one way or another. We're going to do it for you or you got to do it. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's a glorified rental car. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, we still own this car. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to make sure the integrity of that vehicle is being protected. And um, one thing I really wanted to touch on with two uh, specific coverages is understanding your liability limits and the bodily injury and the property damage and then the uh, the deductibles and what that looks like when you, um, you know, play around with the deductible limits and mm -hmm. whatnot. So. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's, and there's so much, and and I'm I'm almost certain there's just so much that people don't mm -hmm. necessarily know is available. We were talking about this earlier mm -hmm. about how sometimes it's just a lack of information yep. and um, not knowing what resources are available for us. Yeah. Um, and so we just go with whatever maybe the homie told me or mm -hmm. this person told me or just I'm gonna just figure it out myself. Yeah. Um, but from your experience, because. Aside from it being transactional, like we were talking about, yeah, um, it is very personal. Like you're dealing with real people and yeah. real in the real world who have real families and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, what are like some of the most common mistakes you've seen made that lead people to need people like you? So the number one thing I want to make sure people address, and and we'll talk about it. The, the, what I'm about to say next is really going to encompass the topic about finance. Is that a lot of people are pursuing cars that they think they can fit into their budget, but not taking into account what the insurance rates are going to be, mm -hmm. right? So um, number one thing you want to do, if you are shopping around for any kind of car, I don't care if it's from a dealer or a private party or anything like that, you want to make sure you run it by your insurance agent and say, how much is it going to be for me to insure this vehicle, mm -hmm. right? And you want to use what's called the VIN number, all right? We get a lot of people yeah. that will call in and say, this is the year make a model. I'm like, do you have the VIN number? Nah, it's just a car I'm thinking. I'm like... Get the VIN number because the VIN number, which is the vehicle identification number, it's 17 characters long. It's a combination of numbers and uh, letters. So that's how you identify it. And what it does is when we plug that VIN number into the system, it'll pull the year, make, and model and the safety ratings and features of that vehicle, why, which is why you get an accurate rate, what the insurance rate is going to be through the VIN number. So I tell people, it does not matter what vehicle you're thinking about. Just get the VIN number and tell your agent, hey, how much is it going to be based on this VIN number? They'll mm -hmm. pull all the information from that. Mm -hmm. And so because what happens a lot of times, and, and this is where I want people to avoid, is they'll call into their agent and they'll say, here's the year making model I'm thinking about getting. And they'll give them some kind of preliminary quote, yeah. right? And then when you're at the dealership finalizing the deal, well, the insurance company needs the VIN number yeah. to document it. Mm -hmm. So guess what happens when they plug that VIN number into that quote? The rates change. Because mm -hmm. now it's pulling all the information that it wasn't provided before. That's why it was just a preliminary quote. So you get a lot of people at the dealership like, wait, how much is the insurance rates? And they're like, no, that's not what they quoted me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, that was just a, like a guesstimate what it was going to be. Yeah, the yeah. VIN number is going to give you the accurate. So you get either people that will either just um, 
just say, hey, never mind, I'm not going to get this vehicle anymore. Mm -hmm. Or they'll just be upset with the insurance company, like, whatever, I'm just going to get it for now and I'm going to start shopping around. Mm. Or, um, you know, it's just it's just various reactions that you get from people. So it's I don't blame that on people. Yeah, I blame yeah. that on the agents. When I get people calling in and then they're like, I'm thinking about purchasing a vehicle, I'm telling do you have the VIN number? They're like, no, I'm like, go get the VIN number. Just yeah. don't waste your time. Yeah. Just go get the VIN number. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'll yeah. tell them why. Yeah. But I just want them to prevent that situation that they don't get blindsided at the dealership because mm, yeah. that does not make for, you know, at least a sour taste in people's mouth. And yeah. they're going to blame the uh, yeah. insurance company, which it, it is the agent's fault. Yeah. For not and, and, it's like, and it could be like a word of mouth thing too, you know, yeah. because then they tell their friends, yo, don't work with them. Because yeah. X, yeah. Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. everything's inaccurate. Absolutely. It's, ba it's not based on anything factual. It's just exactly. like, you know, you just didn't, yeah. <laughs> you just didn't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's like that. Un it's like, it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. Like whether, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's really, a, it doesn't really matter what the price is and the change. It's more of like the principle. 100%. It 100%. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the people you will know? think that you're running game on them. They're like, wait exactly. a minute. Now you're just trying to get more money out of me yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So it's just, yeah, it's it's just one big hassle and everything like that. So that's definitely uh, something I wanted to make sure that people understand. Like, I, it does not matter if you're just thinking of a vehicle. If it's something you're wanting to purchase, just grab the VIN number. Call the dealership. Call whoever owns the vehicle and say, just give me the VIN. I'll get the quote for that so I know I can afford the insurance. On yeah. It. Yeah. Now that's good stuff, bro. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. Um, I am curious though. So you, you, you've been working and um, really just doing your thing in this industry for some time now. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm just curious because no matter what anybody does, when you do something for a long period of time, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be moments when you know, you're good at what you do. Mm -hmm. You know how to do what you do, but how do you stay inspired? Like what, what do you do to make sure you're you're staying inspired, you're staying challenged, you feel like you're growing? Like, what is what does that look like for you? So for me, I mean, when you think of the volume of calls that I take, so I'm a, I'm I'm a little bit different in my situation. I'm a national agent, mm -hmm. so I I service all states besides uh, Alaska and Hawaii, right? Yeah. I don't have the licenses for those states, so I you know I get a good grasp and pulse on like you know people's finances and stuff like that. So you know a lot of times you'll get people shopping around for insurance because they're in some kind of financial constraint. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So. Um, one thing that I, I guess it would be the primary thing that uh, always motivates me about my job is when you're able to change the course of um, somebody's, you know, perspective on either insurance or just in their situation. So, you know, you know, people always leave the call with me, whether they buy from me or not. They always say the same thing. This is an interaction I've never had with another insurance agent mm. because my mentality going into every single interaction is imagine that's your family. That just yeah. answered uh, that called you, right? Mm -hmm. How do you want this to go? You know, so that's the way I approach it. Mm -hmm. So I break down everything to them, and and and, and believe it or not, and, and I have been reprimanded for this. I'll turn people away. I'm like, listen, based on everything that you have, my company is not a good fit for you. But I will recommend you to another company, mm -hmm. and and I get nothing from it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. for me, I want to make sure agents are not ripping off people. Yeah. Because when I'm reviewing, you know, um people's uh policies and whatnot you know I, I just see i'm like you don't need this you know and i'll ask them i'm like hey do you have this in your household they're like no then i'm like you don't need this because what happens is what's unique about my situation versus most other agents uh agents is that agents 
get paid on a percentage of the premium. So they want the cost of the insurance to go up mm. because they can get based on a higher percentage of that. Whereas me, I get the same pay whether I sell you a dollar policy or a million dollar policy. So for me, I'm more incentivized to make sure I educate the customer. There I'm like, go. hey, listen, there you, go. you know, I'm like, hey, let's talk about your exposure. Yeah. And then from there, we'll figure out how to adequately uh, protect your exposure. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have the uh, number that you like, then check out this company. But make sure you're shopping at these coverages. Gotcha. Okay. And so. by, by exposure, you're referring to kind of areas that you need to improve on? or Yeah, absolutely. Because the first thing you'll do um, or I'll do when, when, when um, I receive calls is I hear people always say, um, I just want the bare minimum. Like, I get it. You, you want to pay the least amount on insurance and stuff like that. But you got to think of it this way. What is insurance? All right. And, and I think that's where people have like, um, you know, lost the idea of what insurance is about. Mm-hmm. Insurance is about covering not only your exposure, but covering debt that you can't pay. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you hit me in, in my car today and I sustain, let's say, $30,000 in bodily injury, can you pay that today? Mm. Nah, if yeah. the answer is no, well, that's what insurance is for. Yeah. So, a lot of times we'll get people who will just make like, you know, um, like, I just want the uh, the state minimum or just make very frivolous claim. And they're like, well, what's the point of insurance? And I go, well, well this is the point of insurance. It's to say, hey, what you can't cover, we're going to intervene and cover for you. Yeah. So we're going to charge you X amount of money for tens of thousands of dollars in protection. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and, and people have to really understand that. And so when you're coming in and saying, all right, I just want the state minimum. Well, first of all, understand what coverage that is in your state. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then ask yourself if you hit somebody and you cannot cover the coverage amount that's on your insurance, then you probably need to go higher. Mm-hmm. And insurance is not the first place you want to start cutting costs. Cause mm-hmm. in times of economic turmoil, the first thing people do is say, let's call an insurance agent. We got to bring that down. You mm, know what I mean? Gotcha. But they're not realizing by cutting coverages, you're cutting tens of thousands of uh, dollars yeah. in coverage when you're only trying to save nickels and dimes. Gotcha. So it's not even worth it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, it's important, yeah. on who you do, it's, it's important on who you work with. Absolutely. It could change everything. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I know you were touching like on vehicles and stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, as a normal person, I kind of get the idea of like car insurance, but when I yeah. think of like something like a house, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, so like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess what's the flip side of that? So, so a house is a little bit different. Okay, so a lot of times you'll get people calling in on their um, um, auto, especially if they have their auto and home together, right? They're saying, all right, these are the coverages I have. I want to compare it to exactly the same coverages you have. So the first thing I'll say to people is, how do you know you're adequately protected? How do you know those are the right coverages you're supposed to have? No, I don't know. That's that's what my agent gave me. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that first. Yeah. yeah. And then let's see if your agent is doing right by you, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, with the home, home is different because as far as insurance goes, we need to know how much it's going to cost us to rebuild that home from scratch if it experiences just complete destitution, right? Gotcha. Like it has just been burned down. We got to rebuild that from scratch, gotcha. let alone so make it. So that's how they, that's how they factored the cost. Yes. Okay. Okay. So okay. there's two kind of values to your house. There's the market value, right? Um, you know, that's the buyer and seller activity, yeah. you know, based on like, you know, school district ratings and things of like that. That's the yeah. market value, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Insurance. We don't care about none of that. We don't care if you got the house for free. We don't care if you paid a million dollars. What we need to know is labor parts, 
material and the square footage of your home because that is what we need to reconstruct your home from scratch. Gotcha. So a lot of times that very first coverage in your homeowner's policy is coverage A, which is dwelling. You'll see it say replacement cost. So a lot of times people will look at that replacement cost. They're like, that's not how much my house costs on the market. Well, like, we don't care what it costs on the market. We need to know uh, based on those four criteria what it's going to cost us to reconstruct mm. it. So a lot of times people will call mm. in and say, all right, this is what I have for the replacement cost. And we're like, well, do you know if that's the current uh, replacement cost market value for your house? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't. Well, then we don't need to be having that conversation because every insurance company, when it comes to homeowners, what you're saying, they have a tool to assess based on their underwriting guidelines what they deem will be the cost to replace that home from scratch. Mm. That's why if you shop around for insurance, um, for homeowners in particularly, you'll get different numbers for uh, the coverage A, the mm. dwelling, because mm -hmm. each of them will have their own tool to assess that replacement cost. Yeah. So don't try to align the replacement cost value with the insurance is saying based on what the market value is. Because, Got you. listen, when uh, 2008 happened, and the housing market crashed. And I and I bring this up to all my, uh, especially first-time homeowners, because they're like, uh, wait a minute. Detroit still had houses a decade later that was still you can buy for like 20000 30000 mm -hmm. because of the housing market crash and never recouped, right? Yeah. But do you think that's going to cost $30,000 to reconstruct that home? No, it no. may cost $200,000 yeah. to reconstruct. So if you're sitting there following the market value, you're going to say, all right, insurance agent, uh, make my coverage day for only $20,000. And they're like, okay. And <laughs> yeah. they'll sell you that policy. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, let's say the house burns down. And then you're like, oh, I only got $20,000. It's going to cost me $300,000. Yeah. Yeah. That got to come out of your pocket. That's yeah. crazy. And you'll yeah. be surprised how many times I've had that conversation. The, the last one I had was a guy in Texas that happened to. And it was kind of a sad story, man. You know, he's got family and everything like that. And they were homeless for a while because that situation mm. happened for them. So I always tell people, listen, man, just shop around. Don't say this is my current coverages when it comes to homeowners. Just see what the insurance company's willing to offer you yeah. and at what price. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to go about it. But you have to know there's two values to your home. There is the market value and there's the replacement cost value. And insurance only looks at the replacement cost value. Got wow. you. Got yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a gem, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a gem. great breakdown. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I'm, I love that you're sharing that because, you know, there's, there's people who know that, right? Yeah. And that's great. Good for them. And, and salute to them. And hopefully they're sharing that information. Right? Yeah. Um, I was reading this article earlier um, through a platform called ClearTax. And they were talking about millennials and insurance. Like they're mm -hmm. just kind of talking about that relationship. Yeah. Um, and one of the quotes said, Thing, things are much more simple and easy now. Millennials think that there's still so much time in life where they reach a point where they, where they need insurance. Um, and as said earlier, the sooner you start, the lower the cost is. So mm -hmm. from your experience and kind of like, how you see it, um, what advice would you give to kind of the millennial generation in terms of how to really take it seriously or be urgent and think more quicker when it comes to this, this space? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing that we are definitely seeing, um, the younger generation is more with the space of technology, right? So, um, you know, they want things to be streamlined, to be quicker, and then just easier to handle and things of that nature. But they're not understanding the coverages that they have. Um, and, and, and I talk to a lot of young people, too, as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's 
one thing I would do is just challenge your insurance agent. When, when they put together a policy for you, say, hey, can you tell me what each of these coverages mean and how does it protect me? Because as much as I counsel and advise everybody, they are ultimately the boss and they have the final say so, the customer. Yeah. They're going to be like, you know, I, I'll be like, hey, this is the coverage you need to actually be having to protect your exposure. And they'll be like, mm. yeah, that's okay. I'm willing to take the risk. Mm-hmm. All right, you're the boss. Yeah. But I can sleep at night knowing that I gave you the best advice that I can. That right? makes sense, yeah. Um, I think with, you know, the millennials and things of that nature, they're just like, their approach to it, and I think that's true with a lot of people, but they're more in abundance, is that I just need to have this so I can drive this car off the lot. Yeah. So do whatever you got to do to make sure I do that and to do it at the lowest yeah. cost possible, yeah. right? And in millennials, they do not like to spend time on the phone. Like older people, man, those be like an hour, two hour calls. Yeah. When yeah. millennials, you'd be off the phone like 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. like, like, what hey. do I need? Yeah, okay, exactly. All right, yeah. peace. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's crazy. And I'll try to tell them like, hey, maybe share this. Yeah, I'll worry about that later. Hey, can we hurry up? And I'm like, all right. You know, you know, you know it's the era of convenience, bro. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. Streamline. Yeah. It, Crazy. Yeah, we want everything, you know, to be instantaneous. And, um, you know, listen, it's not fun talking, you know, insurance. I don't even like doing it. Yeah. Well, I love my you job. Make it, but I don't you like make it sound around. fun. You make it sound interesting. Because yeah. it, well, it's pivotal. Yeah, you know because it's mean? important. But you're breaking it down in a yeah. sim- simple term, yeah. streamlined term for yeah. the millennials out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's that's what we need. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's no. That's why you're here. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's important that people understand because what you see is the acquisition part of it. You know, you see the commercials, you can save money and all that. And people are calling, but what you don't see is the retention side. So the mm-hmm. claims and all that. And then people are like, wow, I didn't realize I was so under, you know, insured. And then you're starting to see wage garnishment, liability cases and things. Like that. And it gets really ugly, really fast. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I always blame the agent for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're just yeah. trying to make a quick buck. Like I said, they make a percentage off the uh, premium. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, nah, man, that's that's yeah. This is important stuff. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, <laughs> it is. It this is. is all the you know. This is like all the boxes I have to check before I get a car, house, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. All that. And and sometimes it's like it's okay to say, yo, I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. let me go find who does. Yep. Because sometimes yeah. a lot of times people just want to figure shit out themselves. Yeah. Like I don't know yeah. why. Like I don't know what it is. I'm I'm the same way. I think everybody yeah. has that a little bit. It's like, ego. Yeah, ego. ego. Like, like yeah. I got this. I'll figure it mm-hmm. out. Yeah. But nah, bruh. Yeah, just sit down and let someone else figure it out for you, and you make yeah. that decision. Yeah, based on yeah. the facts. Yeah, you know? yeah. And there's a there's another type of insurance I know that you kind of uh, dibble dabbled a little mm-hmm. bit in. Um, it's kind of I'm starting to see it kind of pop up, and people kind of start talking about mm-hmm. it. But life insurance, life insurance, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, which is definitely um, something that's really important. I think. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, still learning it, but yeah. so what are like some of the things you took away from like your experience with that? Everybody should have it. I, I, you know what I mean? As, as much as we mandate um, state-to-state uh, auto insurance, yeah. I, I, I think we should mandate life insurance. And, and you know, people have this notion, uh, oh, you know, well, I don't have that much stuff. You know, if I die, I die and stuff like that. And a lot of these people be parents. It's yeah. like, yo, you got kids, you know what I mean? And, and then, okay, you might not have a lot of things to protect or anything like that that you value, but what about the funeral cost? You're just going to just parlay that to the kids, you mm-hmm. know, make that a mm-hmm. burden on them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, life insurance, everybody should have it. First of all, it's not that expensive as much people yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And if you're young, the, the, the better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, uh, and then on top of that, life insurance has, um, you know, it's, it's, it's come along so far. You know what I mean? And now there's a lot more living benefits 
to yeah. a life insurance than there are death benefits. Mm. Uh, for instance, you know, my life insurance, uh, I won't say what it is. I don't want to get killed on these streets. But uh, <laughs> as far as like the living benefits goes, um, there's a portion of it. I have a universal whole life and um, there's a, an investment aspect to it. So there's money, cash value that's being generated on the side every year without me having to do anything. Just staying alive? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and then once it reaches a maturity level, you know, everybody will vary, of course, depending on age and whatnot. But once it matures, I can actually draw from that while I'm alive. Now, and then there is the death benefit portion yeah, yeah, of it, yeah. right? But, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can actually benefit from while you're alive from life yeah. insurance. Wow. And, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing I want people to know, because I get this a lot when I bring up life insurance uh, in my, in my uh, line of business. Um if you have life insurance through your employer, mm -hmm. you should probably double check what all the stipulations are because a lot of times people think that, oh, if I die, my, my uh, company got me. But a lot of times what we have seen is that if you're on any kind of leave or you're not in like employee status and you die, they can actually nullify that. You wow. won't even have no benefit. Yeah. Damn. So we have learned that. There are companies that are, like, you can be, like, right now, I'm on short-term leave, right? For my back, I'm going to rehabilitation. Now, I have my own personal life insurance, but let's say I had it through my employer. If I died right now, I might not get no, any benefit from my company. Mm. So there are companies that are out there that do that. And so, um, and then if you switch companies, they can just simply, uh, all that premium you paid into that, that's gone. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So. Wow. You know, you, you really need to be making sure um, what are the benefits that you're getting with your life insurance, but everybody should have it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody should have it. And yeah. if you're older and if you think you can't qualify because you're in your 60s or 70s, well, then there's what's called funeral benefits, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. you know, all right, well, at least I can qualify for a $20,000 um, funeral benefit insurance. Yeah. That way I'm not having to, um, you know, make the whole community pitch in for my yeah. funeral. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I won't yeah. say who yeah. or what, yeah. but yeah. 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 I think it was just, it's just one of those things that never got like really highlighted yeah like growing, like i never really thought about life insurance yeah and on top of that it's kind of scary when you think about it you absolutely you're, you're thinking about like what if you pass you know which right. a lot of people don't yeah like think about but i think it is important so that's why absolutely yeah absolutely it's, it's, it's like a double whammy it's the overwhelming thought of that yeah, and then it's also exactly. the overwhelming thought of damn i don't even know this shit yeah. Right? So like yeah. the information I have to, I always be thinking about this. Like as we grow, mm -hmm. right? Like we're always unlearning shit, mm -hmm. but we have to learn at the same time. Mm -hmm. We learn new stuff and we unlearn stuff. Yeah. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. Like, uh, yeah. damn, I'm so busy trying to unlearn this stuff and yeah. break these old habits and then simultaneously bring on some new stuff. So exactly. I feel like, you know, um, people got to kind of give themselves grace a little bit Yeah. and just, you know, like kind of gradually become more knowledgeable over time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is not fun stuff. I yeah, mean, yeah, like sure. th th exactly. this isn't. It's that's why I say it's. I think it's a failure on the uh, uh, agents that are not willing to, uh, you know, break it down into layman's term and how they can be able to convey the message that can, um, you know, truly be received by who they're speaking to. So, you know, one one thing that I do really well is I get a gauge of who I'm talking to, and I'm like, okay, if I deliver it this way to this person then they'll be able to make sure that they uh, can take in the information yeah. and it can really be profound to them. So, yeah. 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 Being, yeah. being, and it's like, man, we just got to be more proactive than reactive. And it's easier Absolutely. said than done. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Cause we're, yeah. sometimes you're so occupied and being proactive in other things that are more priority. Yeah. And then you're reactive to things that you probably should be more proactive to. So yep, it's a balance, man. But, um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, man, you've been dropping some gems, man. Real. But you knew you ain't new to this. You're true <laughs> no, to this, right? no, yeah, no, this, yeah. This ain't yeah, new to you. Um, <laughs> I, I am curious though. Earlier, we were talking about kind of um, the difference between kind of like being transactional with customers and clients, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. Um, but just in general, right? Whether whether you're in your your line of business or mm-hmm. just anybody out there who's a professional, we talk about this sometimes being at networking events, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like from your take, like. The transactional interactions versus the organic and natural ones. Mm-hmm. Like, can you kind of speak to that a little bit in terms of like how you've seen it play in your in your in your life and kind of your success? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, me naturally, I, I I'm a people person, so mm-hmm. I, I try to get people to open up uh, from the very beginning mm-hmm. uh, of our interaction. And so, um, you'll get people that are just be very curt, and you know, you know, I'll ask them a question, and they'll just be like, you know, give me one word answer. I'm like, okay, this person is not trying to talk, so they're just trying to get down to the mustard of it all, and then just, uh, you know, um, and then just want to get to the number. And um, sometimes I'll have some success where I can get those people to even open up and then it's uh, it'll change the course of the uh, conversation. But uh, for the most part, though, I do get a lot of people that um, will open up because I'll try to identify a pain point with them. You know what I mean? Whether it's personal, professional, whatever it is. And then I'll try to somehow, you know, relay that with insurance. And, I, you know, so I'll always start with what has you shopping around for insurance. You know what I mean? And then yeah. they'll tell me the most time you'll hear price. Yeah. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, well, actually, this is what's been happening as well, too. Yeah. And like, why is it? And then all of a sudden, they start flooding you with questions. Yeah. And then that aggravation comes out. And I'm like, there we go. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to open up that scab so that way I can stitch it up with some healing, you know, the right way by educating them. Yeah. And then I'll say, hey, this is why this is. But we can actually modify this. And mm-hmm. this will actually, you know, um, pertain to your advantage. And yeah. so... um you know, for me, I, I can I, I could tell really quick, you know, on the call, because I've been doing this for a while, you know, who just wants to be transactional. And a lot of times those are the people that I'll just call in first starting saying, I just want the lowest rate possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even mm-hmm. like y'all. I don't even want to be doing this. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I'm like, hey, yeah. I don't blame you, but you I didn't want to answer your call. You, you know, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't like you neither, but we're going to figure this out. But, you know, it's, and, and you know, all jokes aside. And I'm like, I get it, you know. And then throughout the course of the quoting process, you know, either they'll remain that way, they'll be very rigid and just give you one-word answers. You'll give them the rate, and they're like, nope, I don't want it, click. Or, yep, I'll take it, click. Or they'll just make it. Uh, have some, uh, you know, some, um, some questions. Yeah. And then for the other people that are willing to open up, um, like I said, I'm very good at doing that and they will go ahead and just divulge everything. I'm like, Oh boy. Okay. I didn't need that much information, but this is good because I need to know where your exposures are. I want to know what has you shopping around. I want to know what you want to accomplish. And I want to see if I can even accomplish that because I want to save my time because if I can't do anything for you, I got people that I can, you know, take care of. So this is a mutual benefit here. Um, But I, my strength to my success is that because I'm not afraid of objections and I am a people person, I love to talk. I like to get to know people, even though though that's going to be one call interaction. Um, So I get people to put down their guards. And then from there, I'll just go ahead and lay in my expertise and just say, Hey, this is what uh, we need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and the reason, because the reason, part of the reason I brought that up was obviously in the, in your line of business is very important. Right. Yeah. But you know, I think anybody could, anybody here can attest to it. Like sometimes like people are so transactional when they're like, yeah. Dealing with people. Yeah. Like, Oh, I know this person does this. So I can probably, Mm-hmm. get this from this as opposed to like the organic natural thing where it's like, yeah. i already know what you do yeah but if it doesn't line up maybe mm-hmm. timing ain't right then it's cool 
Yeah, but absolutely. the relationship is what's, what's most important. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think yeah. people who uh, should start approaching, you know, um, even auto insurance quotes, something as simple as that is you should be asking your agent questions like, hey, you know, not only am I legal, but is this enough to cover me? You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so um, because where people get that rude awakening is during that claims situation. Yeah. They're yeah. just like, oh, I didn't have that coverage or oh, I didn't have enough. So all yeah. that has to either come out of my pocket or wage garnishment or, you know, what I mean? it's, yeah. it's it, like I said, it gets ugly really fast. So best thing to do is just say, hey, what's my exposure? And then from their shop rates. Got you know you. what I mean? So, yeah. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um Transitioning into like stocks, I know you kind of jumped in there too, um, and it was a pretty um, man. I would say kind of like revolutionary kind of time that kind of happened you know, the past couple of years. So, um, like, what was your experience when you jumped in and yeah. started? Kind of like what piqued your interest, pretty much. So, uh, my buddy that I was talking about that lives in uh, Arizona, he's my best friend. Um, he he used to always bring up stocks, and, and now my my uh, my dad's been doing stocks for probably 20 some odd years now. And I just had no interest in it because yeah. I, I don't like putting my money on something that I can't control. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I wasn't a fan of that. But, um, when the pandemic hit, um, I remember in March of 2020 when we we're like, all right, it's official. This is a pandemic. You know, you're yeah. watching the stock market decline and everything like that. And my buddy was like, Hey man, we need to get into the stock market. Everything's cheap right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, I called my dad up and then I was like, Hey dad, you know, I, I, I got some money and, um, I want to get into the market and stuff like that. He's like, great. So, you know, he told me what stocks to pick and stuff like that, that he was doing. And, um, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I was yeah. just, I created the account. I put money into it. I was buying stocks when he told me to and stuff like that. I didn't know what was to come from it. Now, um, this is the same kind of idea that, um, that I live by when it comes to somebody saying, I've never gambled before, but I'm going to play blackjack. I'm like, eh, I hope they lose so they never do this again. <laughs> I went into the market and I just started winning right away because yeah. what happened was um, – Tesla just went on this tear, right? Yeah. And um, and so that's where most of my money was at. And then next thing I know, I'm like, oh, this is free money, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. And then um, and then I'll never forget, um, it was uh, September, uh, the uh, Tesla uh, stock split, and I'm just sitting there with just all this cash, and then for like the next two months, it's just drained. And I was just like, oh, that's not fun. So what that made me do was say, okay, I need to start paying attention to the details. Now, we're kind of experiencing that now. Um, Right now, we're in what's called a bear market. And um, so if you see a lot of stocks, they are just well below even pandemic uh, days. So... um, so for me, um, this is where I like to build wealth. And yeah. um, that was something that uh, a mentor of mine told me, uh, my mentor in Scottsdale. He said, you know, you build wealth during a bear economy or a down economy, and then you become rich when it becomes bull. Yeah. So once the economy turns around, all the uh, positions you took will now start to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to to monetize. Gotcha. And so, um, so you start to reap the benefits of all that. And I'm like, okay, so right now um, I'm uh, building my wealth. Uh, until this market, um, you know, figures itself out. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I yeah, feel gotcha. you, man, because um, even me, it's like, I mean, I kind of dibble-dabbled in that, too. And <laughs> um, you see people pulling out their money as soon as they see everything going down. And I'm just yeah. like, man, this everything's on sale, pretty much. It that's is. How I, that's how I view it. You yeah. Know? So it's yeah. like, it's going to recover. You just yeah. got to 
you know, be willing to kind of like play with it, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Most people, the reason why I believe that they lose in the market is because they can't stomach it watching going down. They're exactly. like, oh, there goes all my money. Yep. But one thing that my dad told me, which I was like, oh, okay, that was very profound. And I was like, I needed to hear that. He's like, you don't ever lose the money until you sell. When you sell, now you're selling at a loss. He goes, but as long as you hold the shares, that money can be retrieved mm. and can go up. He goes, that's why it's important you choose which company to take position yeah. in, you know, companies that are not doing, not only just doing well, but that you see doing in the foreseeable you, future. You like companies well. you believe in. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You don't want some like fly by, you know, I mean, yeah. unless you're some kind of day trader or something like that. But yeah. for me, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. So the positions I take are companies that are going to be, you know, leading the charge yeah. through yeah. the future. Like a so. true shareholder. Yeah. That's yeah, 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 that's how I like to think. I'm like, that's my yeah. money, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I don't think of it as dollars anymore. I think of it as shares. Yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I just want to have a certain amount of shares, and once I reach that goal, I just don't look at it anymore. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's only yeah. like uh, I've heard that a term called like a paper loss. You only lose on paper. You don't exactly really lose in, in exactly life until you sell. Until you sell, yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. you lose that money. That's yeah, good. so you don't ever lose until that's you good. sell the shares. That's good, yeah. man. Yeah, you know, sit, uh, you, you sitting on such wealth of knowledge, man. Um seems like it's, it's exciting to be able to pay pay for it and express it yeah because I, yeah. I was having this conversation i know i know there's a lot of people out here there's people out here with knowledge but they got all the knowledge but sometimes they just need a, a chance to like yo let me tell y'all what the hell i know and why y'all need to know it so yeah um definitely appreciate everything you've been sharing with us thus far yeah, bro absolutely um, now I, I am curious um for your kind of outlook from your outlook your viewpoint like what, what excites you for the future for your future um, what do you see? Like, what, what, what are you looking forward to? Oh man. Um, so right now, um, you know, it's, it's, everything's just at a, a stalemate. So it's just like, okay, until we can figure out this geopolitics and the economy and the inflation and everything like that for me right now, I'm excited about the, um, the investments that I'm making. So, which mm -hmm. is primarily the stock market, you gotcha. know? And so, um, for me, I've, you know, I've been through it all. So I'm like, okay, I get it now. So just take positions and then just remain optimistic that uh, the market will turn bull, which it will, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. The hardest part about the market is timing it, you know, exactly. and that's, and that's for anybody, you know, yeah. you can, you go back to the historical data and look for trends, which is what analysts do even on wall street, but no one can truly predict the market, yeah. but yeah. we do know that it will become bull. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. we just eviscerate ourselves from the yeah. uh, world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I'm most excited about. This is the first time I've ever been excited, and and I hate to say this, but I love seeing the um, the economic turmoil we're in because this is an opportunity got to you. become rich. Yeah. You just got to be patient. It's a perspective thing. Absolutely, perspective. absolutely. And I get it. People are going to get hurt from it. You know what I mean? And um, But as uh, an investor, for me, I just look at it as an uh, opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people say uh, obstacles are opportunities. Right? It is. So yeah, absolutely. About how you feel it. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it, yeah. man. Um, so is there a place where people can tap in with you if they did want to you know, bug you and annoy you with questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even think that, about that. Get that info. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess, uh, Facebook would be, would be the one. Okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I have a couple, I don't know why. Okay. I, I, Are you I can get, you can give us some info and we can, yeah. we'll make sure to plug it in. Okay. Yeah. On, yeah. On, on. I, I'm not really big on social media. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, unless you're on Snapchat. Okay. Yeah, but, okay. uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, man. Well, we, we definitely appreciate you, man. Yeah. Um, coming here and sharing sharing your wisdom and your knowledge bro it's important yeah it's important absolutely. it's important to pay it forward mm -hmm. um and for the listeners and viewers out there i know they definitely 
<laughs> they got they got some stuff today, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Now, before we get you out of here, we always ask all our guests this question. So if you can, my brother, what's one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up and why? I would have to say uh, humility. Mm. Um, you know, I through everything I've been through, um, I understand, uh, you know, being humble and, and uh, being a people person and things of that nature. Like, I try not to get caught up in my accomplishments or anything like that because, for me, the journey doesn't end until I'm laid down six feet. Mm-hmm. So, for me, um, as long as I can remain uh, humble and, and whatnot in my endeavors – then I believe that um, my success will continue to grow because I believe that's what's got me this far, mm. so far. So, mm. yeah, I'd have to say humility. I love it, bro. Yeah. Dope. I love it. Humility, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Everybody yeah. needs it. Everybody yeah. got to have it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Ah, I love it, man. Just breathe. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this one on a great, on a grateful note. Man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lucy, man, we, we uh, again, yeah. we appreciate you, man. And, you yeah. know, we wish you much success. Appreciate Moving it. Forward, sure. always. Appreciate it. You know, you got support with us here at the Up and Up. Always, I appreciate man. you guys. You know, Thank you, guys. You know, yeah. we, go way, we go way back. A little, little ways back. Yeah. You know, a little yeah. bit. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. But outside of that, man, for the listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, this has been a beneficial, fruitful conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with that being said, I think it's safe to say Musi Esra is officially a member of the Up and Up. Hey. We get around. Yeah. Give it up. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Good. Thank you, Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Erm. Appreciate you guys. Yo, what up? It's Rubino. And this is DJ Erm. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that now you have a better understanding of what it means to live life on the up and up. To continue supporting the podcast and the entire up and up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe. As well as follow us at underscore the up and up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the up and up has coming your way. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, keep it on the up and up.